One of our supporting members wrote in, and they have a friend who has a hidden secret sin. And the supporting member is asking, is it right for that person to confess that sin to me? Let me read the question that she wrote to me, and then that will be the basis of this podcast. The lady said, my friend has a hidden secret sin, which she is afraid to confess to me. I see her in bondage to what she has done and was wondering if it is right or would it be helpful if she confessed her sin to me? Rick, what do you think? How important is it to reveal hidden sins to another person? Supporting member, thank you so much for sending in that question, and we will keep this anonymous, and I have flattened this out, and so I will answer this question in a real specific way, but not drawing attention to you or your friend, because this really applies to all of us. Many people who are listening now have been in that situation. Either they wanted to confess something or felt compelled to confess something to someone, or they've been on the other end of it where they just wish their friend would come to them and and share whatever their struggle is. And so this is a relevant Christian discipleship question, and I'm so glad that you are here and you're listening to this podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. And if you want to read everything that I'm going to share with this lady. Well, I did work up an article. It's a little more than 2,000 words, and it gives, a, I think, a pretty decent response to what she is asking, and it will benefit you too. As with many of our articles, there are embedded links throughout, top to bottom, and so you may find that this article will be an excellent podcast. I'm sorry, an excellent homework assignment uh, if you are discipling someone or a a excellent uh, discussion uh, that you could have with a small group of friends, because you do need to settle on this point. All of you who are serious about discipleship, well, if you if you start messing around in people's business, you'll come to this place sooner than later, and you really need to have a thorough understanding of how to deal with what is happening in another person's life. And as always, if you want to talk to us about this podcast or anything else that may be on your mind, we have free community forums and a team of folks who would love to come alongside you and answer whatever questions that you may have. Let me jump right into this. Should people you know confess their sins to you? Now, this is an excellent question, and there are many angles to it and I'm going to ad- I'm going to try to address some of them in this podcast but let me give you my initial response if we're living in a vacuum and just a yes or no answer then I'm going to land on yes it could be beneficial for her to confess her sin to you but as you know, we don't live in vacuums we live in a real world and it's a it's a messy world and the Bible doesn't give us a lot of directive, clear, black-and-white answers. It just doesn't. It doesn't mean that the Bible isn't sufficient, uh, that it doesn't give us all we need for life and godliness, but God has given us minds, He's given us the Holy Spirit, and we interact with each other, and, and we have to discern uh, how to respond and how to order our lives according to Scripture, because most of life is lived in the gray. And so you can't just land definitively and say, yes, under every situation that this person needs to confess their sin to you. That would be wrong. 
And so my initial response is yes, in a vacuum, yeah, yeah, it, it would be beneficial. There's no question it could be could be beneficial for her to confess her sin to you. But there are many, <clears throat> excuse me, there are many considerations because it may not be wise for her to do this. And so what we have here is with many life situations, it depends. Responding to a transgression is rarely straightforward, neat, or cooperative. You must think in comprehensive ways to serve your friend well. One of the things that I do teach our mastermind students is that when someone comes to you with a discipleship counseling issue, you have to think outside the box. You, you just can't think within the contained space that they are giving you, just the information that they are laying before you. Like in this illustration of our supporting member, they have a friend with a hidden secret sin. They're afraid to confess, and they see the person in bondage, and they're wondering if it would be right, helpful to confess. If you're not good at discipleship, you could just answer this question and say, yeah, it'd be beneficial for them to confess their sin. But I'm saying that you do need to think outside of the box. And I, as I tell our mastermind students, you, you, you need to give them more than what they're asking. You have to see more, know more, discern more, because you want to help people thoroughly and comprehensively. And, and so it could be true that this is what she needs to do, but as I work through this with you in this podcast, maybe with the individual that's sitting across the table from you, maybe that's not wise. Now, as you know, the confession of sin to another person has nothing to do with being ultimately released from the transgression by God. And so whenever there is sin in play, you, you always want to talk vertically first. If you want forensic, if you want to be forgiven in a legal way, then only the Lord can freely forgive someone through the blood of Jesus Christ. No human being can do that. So this interaction with the divine, it doesn't require another human being's response, uh, another human being's involvement. And so on one level, no, it's not necessary, especially if we're talking about being freely forgiven by the divine, by Jehovah God, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, all this person really needs to do is to confess his sin to God. Only God needs to hear about her sins because he is the only one who can release her from them. Now, I am speaking exclusively right now, about the vertical relationship that she has with God, and I am assuming that she is a believer. Now, the question, ask her, and, and really the, the genesis and the reason for this podcast, they're not asking about the vertical relationship. They're asking about the horizontal relationship. Should this person confess their sin to me, but I want to give a comprehensive answer, and, and I don't know where our question asker stands on this or how much she knows or doesn't know, and so I don't want to make an assumption. And that's why I'm saying right up front, the most important confession that she will ever make is exclusively the vertical relationship that she has with God. I trust that she is a Christian. This relationship is unique, it is personal, and it is private. Telling your sins to others is not expected or a requirement if the transgressor, transgressor has not sinned against anyone other than the Lord. The sphere of confession 
and the sphere of the transgression are the same, meaning all those that you've transgressed against are the ones that you ask forgiveness, that you confess to. And so if the only person that she has sinned against is the Lord, then that is the only person that she needs to confess her sin and seek forgiveness. Now, even with that said, no man is an island. We're all part of the continent. So says John Donne in Meditation 17. The Christian is not an independent entity disconnected from other Christians. We are one body. In fact, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 12, 14. He said, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. And as part of that body, it is right. It's right for our supporting member to draw conclusions about how we interact with each other. In 1 Corinthians 12, 26, Paul also said, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Do you see the communal requirement placed on all Christians to live transparently before each other, just like the physical body must be in sync with all of its parts? The body of Christ should have an appropriate level of self-awareness among its members. The operative word here is an appropriate manner, appropriate level of self-awareness. There are two ditches that you want to stay out of as you ponder what I'm sharing with you about this concept of, of being vulnerable and revealing to others. The first ditch is the Christian who lives secretly, while saying nothing about the reality of their lives. A person does not share their struggles with, if, if a person doesn't do that with at least one other person, at least one, then you're in a bad spot. So one ditch you want to stay out of is total isolation where you're not sharing any part of the difficulties in your life with another human. That is not what it means to be in the body of Christ. But then there's the other ditch. Run across the road and face plant in the other ditch, and that is bad too. And that is the Christian who has no discretion or no social filter. But to put it plainly, they talk too much about what's wrong with them. We, we all should know when to speak and when not to speak. And so you want to stay out of those two ditches and somewhere in the middle. You want to build redemptive relationships. There are people with whom I confess my sins too. Even though I have not, in, in the context of what I'm saying here, I have not sinned against them, but I share with them my weaknesses, transgressions, sins, vulnerabilities, imperfections, whatever words you want to use, my mistakes. The most important of those people that I confess my sins to is, is my wife and, and then, of course, my children. There are other people that I just do not trust enough or they are not mature enough to steward the harsher truths of my life. Thus, it's none of their business. Some people can handle the truth about you, and it behooves any person to take advantage of this means of grace in the right way, appropriately. And then there are others who can't handle the truth about you, and it benefits the believer not to provide them with that which they can't steward. Jesus said it this way in, in John 16, 12. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but cannot 
bear them now. In, in Proverbs 18.2, it says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. There are some people who talk too much or some people that can't uh, be trusted. The Proverbs would put that person, those individuals, in the category of the fool, and you don't want to be sharing your private stuff with a foolish person. Part of being a mature Christian is to perceive and experience the value of living transparently in a community of like-minded disciple-makers. This urgent need is one of the things that I, I don't see a lot among those that I have counseled historically. One of the commonalities with counselees is what I call the isolation effect of sin. They purposely isolate themselves from the body of Christ while hiding their true selves from people. They live a duality. It's hard enough to live one life, but if you have to live two lives, then that is exhausting and you'll never be able to do it successfully. I call this person our representative. He's our he's our PR person, our public representative who represents us in the in the public space. He puts on a front. He gives an image, the person that we want people to think of us, how how we want people to think of us. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to isolate behind the curtain and trot out someone, a, a person made in the image that you prefer, while you slowly shrink. Your soul shrinks behind the curtain. That's the isolation effect. But I do find that with counselees, that they do not want to reveal themselves to anyone within their sphere of influence. It's one of the reasons they will open up to a counselor, because they don't know that person. And so what your friend might not understand is how sharing part of her life with another human can be freeing and good for her soul. While only God can ultimately forgive her, he does not work independently of his children. The Lord just doesn't work that way. I mean, think about 2 Samuel 12, the first 13 verses. You know this story of Nathan in fact, part of it goes like this. The Lord sent Nathan. Did you hear that? The Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city. One was rich, the other was poor. The rich man had many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but a little ewe lamb. And, and he, was, he was setting David up. I mean, just to put it bluntly, he was setting David up because God sent Nathan to David to expose him because David was not going to come clean about his sin. And so God doesn't work independently of his children. He uses, we are ambassadors for Christ. He uses us, go and make disciples. There's a strong case for body ministry. There's a weak case for the isolating effect. And so you don't want to do that. And in fact, there's more than 30 New, New Testament passages that points to our commu communal call to live our lives in such a way that we benefit from each other. I like Hebrews 10, 24. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. There are many more. But this aspect of Christianity is one of the things that I appreciate about this question. This lady is considering how she can serve and bless her friend. In a sense, she's doing what I have done for a career, calling folks to reveal more of their lives to another individual appropriately. In a counseling context, the counselor is always asking them to do that with the counselor. Counseling will not go well unless the counselee is revealing more and more of themselves to the counselor. It's what I do, and it's a very normal and expected thing. People come to me confessing their sins. is typical. 
and no one thinks it's wrong. In a sense, this lady is counseling her friend in a similar way. And, and in a similar way that I advise those who come to me. And so it, it would help. It would help this lady. It would help you if you would have this mindset that you want people to be transparent to you about what's going on in their lives. She's asking, she's using the word confession, and that's fine. You want people to share with you what's going on. This perspective is what Christians should strive to do with each other. Now, obviously, you sense this. There is definitely a sober-minded requirement for this kind of sin-sharing inside a Christian friendship. The sober-minded requirement is you must have a redemptive relationship with her, not a toxic relationship, not an adversarial relationship, hostile relationship. You must have a redemptive relationship. To serve her effectively is to know her deeply. It's like a person who goes to the doctor. The more transparent the patient is, the more she will receive the fullest benefit of the relationship. And so if it's a redemptive relationship, then you want her to receive the fullest benefit of that relationship. And if that's true, then you do want her to share her life with you. But there's a word of caution and there, there's a reminder. Be, be sure you understand the difference between confessing to God and confessing to a trusted friend. Be sure you can walk her through these differences and the benefits of both. The, the difference is, is that only God can ultimately forgive sin and release her in a legal, forensic, courtroom way. And there's a huge benefit of that. But I've also been making another case, too, that there's a benefit to have that kind of unified community within the body of Christ to where you can share with another human being. She, refe she reveals her sin to the Lord to have him obliterate it. And she may share some of her transgressions with you so you can walk together as you work through the consequences and the residual effect of her sin. You won't do this effectively without you being transparent with her. Let's turn the table around. You must be willing to reciprocate with your life. You see, both of you have a former manner of life. Both of you have a, a past. Both of you have been imperfect, and you are imperfect, and there are things going on in both of your lives. And you have brought your former manner of life into your relationship with God. And so you want to lead her this way. If you want to get her to share with you, then you go first. You go first. Now, more than likely, she has been forensically forgiven in the courtroom by the judge, by Jehovah, for what she has done. God has forgiven her. I'm going to work with that assumption right now in this podcast. But she is still held in a false guilt complex regarding her former sin. That she's stuck. You used the word. You said that she was in bondage. She had a hidden secret sin. It appears that she's in bondage. Well, let's assume that she has asked God to forgive her of whatever sin we are talking about. And she is truly, legitimately, objectively forgiven by God. Then there is a false guilt 
complex that that has captured her in some way. Her lack of theological understanding and application will trap her to the bondage of sin that the Lord has already forgiven. And so she needs help for you. This could be one of the most compelling reasons why she needs to share with you what is going on. Let me give you an example. It's like a lady who has had an abortion. Let's say that God has forgiven her for having an abortion. You, you think that because God has forgiven you that there's no possibility of lingering residual guilt for what she did that could last for years? Oh, no, it's quite common for people to be in the residual bondage of a false guilt complex, even though God has forgiven them. It is rare for a person to be free from past events like this, these bigger events in our lives, without the help of other people. Your friends struggle, honestly. The struggle that you see, that, you, that you've asked about, that you're observing in her, it just makes, makes her a healthy human. What I'm saying is, is that she's normal. To struggle like this is very normal. And, you, and, and everyone listening to this podcast should intuit that. You, you, you should understand that. No, she sounds pretty normal to me. She did something wrong, and she's terrified, horrified. She's afraid to, to share it. Maybe she has been forgiven by God. Not going to argue the point. Let's say she has. But the residual effect. And maybe this is one of the things you want to tell her. Say, hey, you're, you're, you're very normal. But her struggle is why the Lord calls us to be intentional about imposing ourselves into each other's lives. Matthew 18, 15 said it this way, if your brother sins against you, you go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And so even in this verse, it's kind of different from what you're asking, but but this idea of intentionality and imposing yourself, God wants us to do it. And so you don't want her to confess her sin to everyone. You don't want her to broadcast it on her favorite social media platform. But she needs to admit her more personal struggles to someone. And you probably have observed from your friend how her former manner of life, the things which she has done, it has tripped her up. And so what you want to do is to create a context of grace to where she feels the freedom to come clean about what has her soul in a bind. Let her know that she's normal. Seek to release her from the fear of confession, as well as the fear of being rejected by you. One of the ways you can do this is by setting that example that I talked about earlier. Share some of your sins and inward struggles with her. Now, you probably have already done this. I trust you have. I hope you have. Let her experience the freedom that you have in Christ when you confess There are a few things more powerful and freeing than seeing a godly example. And so be that godly example. And the more you do this, the more she may get up the gumption to let you into her world. The title of this podcast is, Should People You Know Confess Their Sins to You? I am responding to a question that was asked to me. And my initial response was yes, but I have have added a quite a few footnotes and caveats uh, in my initial response. And I want to interject one more here. And I want to talk about illegal sins, crimes, crime sins. Because you, you and I do not know what specific transgressions that might have your friend in bondage. 
And so it's essential to be fully prepared about what might, what she might, what might she might share with you as she comes clean. When a person is struggling about sharing something personal in their lives, you do want to give them what I believe is a biblical perspective on confidentiality. And I have a link here to an article on confidentiality. And, and sometimes, well, a lot of Christians have an inferior view of confidentiality, and so you want to be careful here. You don't know what I'm assuming. You don't know what she's going to share with you. And so what you don't want to do is create a situation where she believes you will keep all her secrets hidden. This takes a lot of wisdom and maturity on your part. Depending on what the transgression is, you may not be able to keep it just between the both of you. If she confesses illegal activity... You may have no recourse but to share it with the proper legal authorities. Now, she must know this. And if, of course, you want to get far enough along in the conversation as you drawing her out to share with you. you. You wouldn't say this up front necessarily, but this has to be at some point a part of the conversation. Now, I don't suspect that she's talking about illegal activity, but you never know. And you don't want to run the risk of not telling her how you may have to respond to her sin because she tells you, if she, before she tells you what she did. Or let's say, let's turn it around and say you're counseling a guy and he has sexually abused someone. You tell it. You tell it. And so you don't want to have such a tight lid on confidentiality that you put yourself in a box that you can't extricate yourself out extricate yourself out of. And so if this is a counseling situation, I assume that she has signed an informed consent form that states your confidentiality policy. If this is just two friends, which it sounds like it is, you don't need a written document. But you want to be clear. Make sure that you know what she's talking about as you begin the process of drawing her out and that you are clear back to her as to what you can do and can't, the parameters. You want to serve her, to help her to tell the truth. And so you do this by telling her the truth about telling the truth. Give her the full scoop, which I have outlined here. And maybe there are a few other things that this has has jogged your thought processes about this, and there's some other things that you're thinking about now that that is helping you to think through this. As I said a while ago, you know, perhaps you could share this article with these embedded links. The main thing is that you want her to experience, what, what you want her to experience with you is your trust. She has trust issues, and that's why you want to be honest, open, vulnerable, and transparent back to her. She does not trust God. You've discerned this. She may believe that he is holding something against her. Perhaps she is in bondage to legalism, which could tempt her not to trust you fully. She doesn't trust God fully. The freedom she is going to experience in God is going to come through you. If she is not free in the Lord, it will be hard for her to be free to you. But as she becomes more free with you, the reverse is true. She will become more free with the Lord. Perhaps this is the door 
that the Lord has set up to draw her to himself. If she's afraid of God because of the shaping influences of legalism or other awful experiences in her life, she only knows a conditional love system. She has to come she has to come to you to vet you to see if you are trustworthy to handle her raw truth. You have a fantastic opportunity to model our great God. And so my appeal to you is to hang with her. If she tells you the truth and you don't reject her, it may be the first time in her life where she has experienced this aspect of the gospel. If God is for us, who can be against us? You can imitate the gospel right here as she tells you the truth and you do not reject her. Your response could be the motivating grace that could set her free in God. There have been instances where Christians have not stewarded the truth from others and it has left them in no man's land. An incorrect response from a supposed caring believer strains the vulnerable the vulnerable's relationships with God and you and it leaves other human relationships in shambles this scenario happens to teenagers regularly they come to me after trying to connect with their parents some of them eventually tell me the whole truth about their lives how I handle their whole selves, the good, bad, and the ugly. It sets the trajectory for what happens next. This kind of interaction is not so much about one person sharing their sins with another as it is about trying to help someone untangle their relationship with God. And ultimately, that is what is going on with your friend. I have some call-to-action questions here that I think would be very helpful to you. They'll be provocative in all the appropriate ways to stimulate your thought processes, to get you thinking more deeply about this particular scenario. And again, if you need to talk to us about it, I would love you to do that. The title of the podcast, Should People You Know Confess Their Sins to You? Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.